Hello and welcome to the German New Medicine Stories podcast. May listening bring liberation and lightness to your healing journey. Please note that nothing that I or any of my guests say here is or should be misinterpreted as medical information or advice. These are personal stories, not prescriptions. So um, before I introduce uh, my guest on today's podcast, I want to just talk about something that has become really clear to me <laughs> in my own journey of unraveling many, many conflicts um, and also you know, in, in supporting a lot of women now to go through their own timelines and, um, you know, go hunting for the conflict shocks um, that are leading, leading to their current health issues. And, um, you know, what I've really realized is that sexual repression, sexual confusion, sexual dissatisfaction, sexual stagnancy, um, sexual frustration, <laughs> you know, just anything that's sort of like out of coherence in relationship to um, sexuality and our sexual relationships causes so much more dis-ease in women than toxins or diet ever will. <laughs> um, and all of this makes complete sense, um, you know, in the framework provided by German New Medicine when we learn to think biologically. I mean, sexuality is the uh, most powerful biological force <laughs> that exists in nature. I mean, it's, it's why we're all here. And, um, you know, sexuality... Um, our sexual relationship to ourselves, to other people, uh, really is the conflict content of, of, of so many special biological programs. And you know, this is really clear when we're looking at um, anything about the female reproductive system, you know, mating conflicts, sexual frustration conflicts, pregnancy conflicts, gender conflicts, procreation conflicts. Um, but what I've also seen um, in myself and other women is that <laughs> sexuality and, uh, you know, our intimate relationships also um, very, very often make up the conflict, conflict content of um, self-devaluation conflicts, of fear-disgust conflicts, of um, feeling powerless conflicts, um, what other ones have I seen it in? Oh, of course, um, you know, feeling attacked, feeling soiled, feeling dirtied conflicts, um, motor conflicts, you know, it's just like, it's such a, um, I, probably like the most common, from what I can tell, the most sort of common area of life that just happens to be fraught with all kinds of scenarios that can catch us on the wrong foot, can catch us off guard, that leave us feeling emotionally isolated. Um, and yeah, I mean, that this makes sense given our culture and how incredibly distorted it is around sexuality and how much shame and secrecy um, and, you know, like depravity is, is, is going on, you know, like non, a very, very non-biological relationship to sex. And, um, 
Yeah, so I um, maybe I'll just read a little section of what I wrote on my Instagram page. So I said, no supplement on earth can touch the healing power of sex. No diet can cause the pain of the man who held you down or the pregnancy that you aborted or the pregnancy you lost or the humiliating comments of your father or the echo of your gynecologist probing hands or the heartbreak of a breakup or the societal shame of an STD or the anger at the guy who cheated on you or the fear of being abandoned or the insecurities that plague you or the ick of all the men you wish you had walked away from or all the porn you wish you'd never seen to just fall away forever. But sex can. Not blah, obligation, five minute, forget about it sex. No, sex that reminds you of the meaning of life, sex that wrings out all stagnant trauma from yourselves, sex that gives joy a whole new meaning. For me and for so many women, I just really, really see that, um, you know, healthy, wholesome, gourmet sex, as Kiminami calls it, is what allows them to drop the rocks that are weighing down their soul, to just drop them, just to let them go. Um, and so, yeah, for so many women, um, working around their sexuality is, um, is the most potent medicine. Um, and that's really the story that we're gonna that I'm sharing today. Um, so I interview um, a new friend of mine, Alex. We actually live on the same island, and we happened to um, to meet back in November. We had dinner, and um, of course, as I do, I ended up sharing about free birth and Germany medicine. And um, she had shared about um, her sin three diagnosis, so quote-unquote uh, pre-cancerous cells um, in her cervix, and I had sent her a podcast with my dear friend Kittist, who I've also had on this podcast, and I will link both, uh, you know, in the show notes, I'll link both the interview that I did with Kittist on this podcast, and then I'll also link uh, Kittist's own podcast as well. Um, and so I had sent her that, and you know, we really, I don't think we, we saw each other again until um, two weeks ago, where she shared that she, you know, dove all the way into German New Medicine and, um, and had just, I think a week before we met, maybe two weeks before we met again, had a completely clear colposcopy. Okay, so she went from SYN3 to completely clear. Um, and had just been through this massive process of unearthing all of her sexual frustration conflicts. So sexual frustration is the conflict content um, affecting the, um, the cervix mucosa, okay? And I'm just gonna read uh, directly from learninggnm.com. Um, so it says, a sexual conflict refers to any distress concerning sexuality. This includes painful sex, sexual abuse, sexual harassment, unwanted sexual practices, sexual rejection, feeling sexually unwanted, a lack of sexual activity because of an unexpected separation or loss of a mate, offensive pornography, finding out that uh, a partner or a spouse is sleeping with somebody else, 
or interruptions during sexual intercourse can trigger the conflict. As a result of early sexualization, girls experience uh, nowadays this conflict at a very young age, tubal ligation, the use of an IUD, or taking contraceptives to prevent a pregnancy might invoke a sexual conflict on the subtle psychobiological level. So that's on learninggnm.com. Um, and so what happens um, at the organ level during the conflict active phase is there is ulceration. Okay, there is tissue loss um, of the cervical mucosa. And this is, you know, uh, in direct relation to the intensity and duration of the, the conflict itself. Um, and the biological purpose of this cell loss, of this tissue loss, is to widen the cervix so that when mating takes place, more sperm can, uh, you know, get through and, um, and improve the chances of conception. And, you know, we have to think biologically here and understand that nature only wants to reproduce. Okay, nature, biology, doesn't understand not wanting to get pregnant, okay? It only understands reproduction, more life, more life, more life, okay? Um, and so, yeah, and then in the healing phase, um, this tissue loss is replenished with cell proliferation, Right. And so this is what's being sort of diagnosed or assessed during a pap smear or a colposcopy. Right. We talk it's it's abnormal cells. Really, what this means is tissue change. And um, German New Medicine, the five biological laws provides the explanation, the biological purpose behind these tissue adaptations and shows us, you know, through the law of two phases, um, the in intention and intelligence um, of this process. And um, yeah, you know, I, I will also mention here uh, that my my personal, again, this is not medical advice. This is, you know, do whatever <laughs> you want, do what your doctor says. Um, but my personal choice is to not engage with cancer screening of any kind. Okay. I really believe that it is a marketing machine from beginning to end and um, has nothing to do with quote unquote saving lives. And I think it's really, um, you know, it would really encourage women who are, you know, either currently getting regular pap screenings um, or mammograms um, or any other kind of uh, cancer screening to um, spend some time researching, you know, how cancer screening became standard practice and researching the actual scientific evidence or, you know, in my opinion, lack thereof <laughs> behind cancer screening. Um, and I'm going to recommend a book. It is not a very interesting or it is very interesting, but it's a very dry book. Okay. Um, it is called Screening Evidence and Practice. And it's written by um, a woman named Angela Raffle, and you can um, get the ebook online. That's what I have. And um, yeah, that book just provides so much context and really, you know, on, on the surface, health cancer screening really sounds like this brilliant, logical idea. Um, but this book really reveals how, in reality, it is not 
quite that simple. <laughs> so yeah, maybe in the future I'll do a full podcast um, just talking about cancer screening. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a deep rabbit hole that I've personally um, gone down and um, yeah, definitely, you know, don't, don't blindly go into any of these um, from the way I see it. And, um, you know, this book and, you know, several other books that I read about screening, um, what actually ends up happening through, um, you know, the excessive cancer screening that we have in our culture is, you know, so many false positives um, and so much unnecessary maiming of our bodies. And, you know, in the case of cervical cancer, you know, so many, um, well, colposcopies, which by the way, are not, you know, that is a not a risk-free intervention. Um, yeah, there's some very disturbing <laughs> threads on the internet that I have read about um, the scarring that has resulted from um, colposcopy and colposcopies and, and how that's um, affected women. Um, and then also, of course, the, the LEAP procedure um, where chunks of women's cervixes are um, being removed. And um, I think that's all for now, <laughs> what I'm going to say around screening. Again, this is not medical advice. Um, you are a fully responsible adult. Please, you know, make your own informed decisions about your own body. Um, but yeah, so in this episode, um, Alex shares how she went from, you know, the abnormal pap to a SIN3 diagnosis to a totally clear um, colposcopy very recently. And um, yeah, just all of these sexual frustration conflicts that she combed through as she went um, back over her life and really overhauling her relationship to sexuality. And something that we um, touch on quite a bit is pornography, um, which, you know, I'm just so glad is coming up on this podcast because, again, it's something that I feel like I'm talking about every day um, with women as uh, you know, going through through their timelines, looking for conflict shocks. Um, you know, it's such a sort of normalized aspect of our culture, you know, sexual, you know, sex positivity, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the reality is pornography is not biological. And so, yeah, uh, this is a really rich episode, I think, and will be very enlightening for a lot of women. And it's also perfect timing because um, Kimonami, my personal, um, you know, mentor who really um, just awakened and unearthed my own sexuality. And um, yeah, it's just been, you know, so revolutionary in my own life. Um, her, you know, most sort of flagship uh, course, Well Fucked Woman, is currently open for enrollment. It's only open once a year. And, you know, I really do recommend this course to women. I really trust Kim. I know at this point, hundreds of women who've been through um, this program, Well Fucked Woman. And yeah, you know, like it, it is a priority. And whether, whether it's taking her course or listening to all of her podcasts, I'll link um, some of my favorite podcasts of hers in the show notes, and then also my affiliate link for Well Fucked Women in the show notes as well. Um, 
but whether it's you know taking the course or listening to the podcast like make it a priority <laughs> to address uh your sexuality and your sexual past and your current sexual relationships um because there is so much healing to be found there so much richness so much um stagnancy to uh to melt so much creativity to discover so much vibrancy yeah you know kim kim talks about all the time like when you're a well-fucked woman you know one of the um sort of like beautiful results of that is just not giving a fuck it's not giving a fuck it's just like you know those days when you're just on cloud nine it does not matter what happens in your life you can handle everything you are just have this like foundational state of peace and resilience and um resourcefulness when when your sexuality is alive and thriving and you know when you know german new medicine and you understand that it is uh these shocking moments these conflict shocks that are the root cause of disease then it also becomes clear what true preventative medicine is and true preventative medicine is is peace it is resilience in the depths of our soul it is knowing that we can handle anything it's not giving a fuck right it's just kind of being um untouchable having this um sort of aura of okayness around you and for me um you know reconnecting with my sexuality um and you know setting the foundation for a really healthy relationship with myself and with my partner um has has really just created that sense of of peace and resilience within me sexuality is just such beautiful medicine Okay, <laughs> with that, I'm gonna get into um, this really fun interview that I got to do in person in Alex's beautiful, beautiful um, tiny home. We did the interview just yesterday. So hope you enjoy. Yeah, so I had told you that I had some regular paps and uh -huh. actually I think at that point I was waiting on my HPV okay. test to come back and I had just done it. Yeah. Um, and you told me to listen to kiddos podcast okay okay yeah. yes who we've also had on the on the podcast I, maybe i'll link that episode in the show notes for this yeah um okay so then after that so basically maybe we should rewind so you had mm -hmm. you had got your iud taken out mm -hmm. after seven years yeah <laughs> was it a copper iud or was it, it was a copper iud yeah 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 so i'd had it in for seven years did you did they have any issue taking it out no no okay. which and there was no issue putting it in I had zero yeah. pain and I you know I had prepped that day I had like a lot of preparations just mm -hmm. so that it would be as seamless as possible like really trying to talk to my body telling them like mm -hmm. okay it's coming out and yeah. um mm -hmm. it's gonna be okay and I also had a friend tell me that I should keep the IUD mm. she had a really hard experience of getting the IUD out and um and they just took it away mm. and she was really sad mm. mm -hmm. which was just interesting information for me to know so she was like just keep it just in case yeah and um so yeah no issue taking it out um and then when I got home two days and they did a pap at mm -hmm. the time and mm -hmm. like a couple of days later I looked at my IUD and had no idea that it had that much plastic in it mm. and I thought it was much smaller I thought it was going to be really tiny all copper but it 
was like oh you hadn't seen it before they put it I hadn't seen it oh yeah and I just burst into tears when I saw it yeah it was like this thing has been in me for seven years Mm -hmm. and I didn't even know what it looked like yeah Yeah. I mean how true is that for most women we should I'm going to add a quick plug here that if you don't know you can take out your own IUD right um I'm not going to like give me, I'm not giving instructions here on how to do it, nor am I recommending it or giving any medical advice, but it is a possibility as a mm-hmm. thing that some women do. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you have questions also probably kid is just a person to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I, I, I went to the doctor to take mine out and then afterwards it was so easy. And I wish it, in retrospect that I had done it myself. And I have a good friend who, um, who took her her own IUD uh-huh. and just had like such a beautiful experience of that. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. So that was, you said it was in like May or something of last year. Yeah. And then they didn't, yeah. they didn't phone you until September with your PAP results. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. so fucked. Cause there was like a backlog, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then they were concerned. Yeah. That was my first regular PAP and they were like, you have to come in ASAP, mm-hmm. but they also had no appointments mm-hmm. for me to come in. So I went to a naturopath to get a pap. And I think that like, if you are going to like kind of have both feet in two worlds, I think that's a good route to go. You do Mm -hmm. have to pay for the pap, but Mm -hmm. it's, you know, definitely the lesser of two evils. Like Mm -hmm. they, it's a lot more consent-based. They, it's a lot more fulsome. I got to look at my cervix, um, which was a really cool experience. And, and what was like, were you freaked out or? what was your experience of hearing that from I was so freaked out yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah then did you get a colposcopy so in my second pap Mm -hmm. that was when I also asked with my naturopath to get an HPV test Mm -hmm. um and so and like obviously I just had a knowing that something was um Mm -hmm. not right or something was happening um, and so, yeah, there was an HPV test. It, she sent it off to two different places and they mm-hmm. both came back really quickly. Um, and they were, the HPV test was high risk. And then it said that I had um, high grade cervical dysplasia mm-hmm. and it put me on SIN3 and um, with cervical dysplasia, there's four levels. The fourth is supposedly cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the third, you are precancerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was told that I'm precancerous, but that I also don't have to worry about it somehow. And how did that feel? It, <laughs> yeah. It's like, how can you even say that to someone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, especially in this culture, when it just carries so much weight, right? Yeah. I mean, it's different through the lens of Germany medicine. It's like, totally. Oh, biological adaptation. You yeah. Know, all good. And I didn't know about German medicine at the time totally. of finding that out. Totally. Yeah. So then when we talked, you were kind of in a limbo of like, mm-hmm. going to go down your own personal path of. Yeah. 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 I knew that I wasn't going to do the leap, you know, mm-hmm. the hot metal wire scraping away at your cells. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I wanted to do it like natural and holistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I immediately went on herbs um, from mm-hmm. my naturopath um, and because of your podcast recommendation, Mm -hmm. starting to look at the emotional sides of things as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in Germany medicine, the biological conflict affecting the cervix is a sexual frustration conflict. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, When you first heard that, 
did it make sense to you did it click <laughs> I I clicked on one level of like actually having a physical IUD right blocking my ability to get pregnant and mm-hmm. like I guess the cervix wants to widen and mm-hmm. create space for sperm to come in and mm-hmm. impregnate you mm-hmm. so on that level it did but I don't have any overt yeah. sexual trauma so yeah. but I I knew that there was there was stuff there that yeah. my body could have interpreted as trauma yeah I mean it's just so common that at first I think mm-hmm. when you come across German medicine whether it's for sexual frustration or mm-hmm. or any other type of conflict mm-hmm. um to draw a blank and feel like it doesn't I mean I'm not sexually frustrated I mean like you're in a long-term partnership yeah, yeah. um and still at the same time it's then okay but what you know from a biological perspective mm-hmm. could have been perceived mm-hmm. um and going through with a yeah fine tooth comb over your experience which mm-hmm. sounds like what what you then did yeah yeah um so the first thing uh because it basically sounds like you kind of just like then <laughs> just trying to find trying to find every possible yeah um, conflict I went hard yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, so the first one you came up was you walked in on your parents having sex. Mm-hmm. I was super young. How old were you? Yeah. I was probably four or five. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 You, re- you remember it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Every wow. part of it. And I didn't know it was happening. Uh-huh. And I was just told to go back to bed. Uh-huh. Um, and nothing was explained to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, was able to kind of go back into that experience. And... Was it a shock for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And only later did I was I able to interpret what they were actually doing uh-huh. yeah um because I I was hearing something and then I walked into the room and it was mm-hmm. like oh go back to bed and right so I just went back to bed so confused mm-hmm. no idea what was happening totally yeah. emotionally isolated yeah mm-hmm. yeah so I like went back into it with an EMDR meditation mm-hmm. and and like I my way my I like love EMDR mm-hmm. and like the tapping and like coming in with myself as I am now and mm-hmm. I like put my arm around myself I took myself back to bed and I just laid with myself and was like yeah that was an adult thing and I'll mm-hmm. answer any question that you have in an age-appropriate way yeah um and you're safe and you're that was what your, your parents were doing is mm-hmm. an adult act mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah oh man yeah. <laughs> I'm sure so many people share that share the similar conflict in different ways yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um okay and then the next you remembered was um watching porn for the first time yeah yeah how old were you I was 17 okay Mm -hmm. that's not too young yeah (laughs) most of the stories I hear I know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I was I was like aside from some small experiences I was very sheltered and I was Mm -hmm. also a very late bloomer Mm -hmm. yeah so it was with my first boyfriend and it was a safe space like Mm -hmm. we were together for a while at that point and it was a really healthy relationship and he thought it would be fun to have a little right night and watch porn together and we went to like the female friendly section I'm sure he had already (laughs) chosen the porn to watch and I just started crying and I like cried yeah the entire rest of the evening it did not it was still a shock to you Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so jolting mm-hmm. to my system. And I, I knew porn existed, Yeah, but it was so just, yeah, it really shook me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
did you were you able to process it at the time do you think or not really no no no, no. I it was just kind of like a forget it kind of situation mm -hmm. and you know that should have been enough for me to never engage in watching porn again mm -hmm. but we live in such a porn positive mm -hmm. world that um yeah I did yeah watch porn yeah after and yeah yeah I mean it's just so common I was sharing with you before we started recording yeah like for how many women mm -hmm. you know their first time watching porn and then like what plays out from there mm -hmm. um is a really important public shock I mean mm -hmm. whether you know you're being shown it at a party or you watch mm -hmm. it for the first time first time you know yourself looking I mean, that was my experience with porn Mm -hmm. I was like well I have no idea how to masturbate <laughs> like I yeah. and and I'm horny and I can't figure it out and so that's why I first watched porn I don't know I was like 15 probably or mm -hmm. something like that and um maybe I had been like shown at a party or something mm -hmm. and um yeah just like so many women hold a lot of shame about it mm -hmm. and um you know I think like on my Instagram page, like I've spoken very publicly against pornography mm -hmm. for many years. Um, and, you know, like that, I, it's, it's always been a very clear boundary in my relationships, like no mm -hmm. porn. Um, and also like, I want to be clear for women. Like, it's just, it's so common. Like so many women are watching porn. It's yeah. very, very normalized in our culture. Yeah. And it's like not a thing to be ashamed about no. or to, you know, and and it's also like we also don't need to go down the path of like and it's great for you and it's so mm -hmm. feminist you know it's like mm -hmm. it's okay that you've watched it it's okay oh that it's been a part yeah. of your life and now where where do we where do we pivot you know mm -hmm. um and at least yeah it doesn't come without biological consequences a lot of the time yeah and, and relationship consequences and you know all these different things yeah totally um so okay so it was still kind of something that you would you would watch occasionally mm -hmm. so staying on track with it basically yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah and it was like quite a while later mm -hmm. and you know it was nothing too crazy as far as porn goes but it was still yeah it was still a thing that I would engage in and yeah. um and I where it got me was it was like in my psyche mm -hmm. and I would lean on it to orgasm quicker yeah um if I wasn't gonna orgasm fast enough I could just think of oh this one situation mm -hmm. that I saw in porn yeah and it would take me there yeah um not in a way that was like present with mm -hmm. myself and my body and how I was actually feeling it was just like very much in my head yeah and yeah I didn't like that mm -hmm. and I didn't realize that I was doing that or that, that was taking away from the intimacy with mm -hmm. myself and with my partner mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. So how it sounds like you've been through a big journey with that yeah. <laughs> since finding, you know, <laughs> since trying to delve into your sexual frustration conflicts. Yeah. So yeah. what, what has that looked like for you? Yeah. Yeah. That was, I think that that was like kind of the biggest one mm -hmm. um, for me. And for me, it was completely stopping mm -hmm. watching porn. Um, a lot of journaling about mm -hmm. what I thought that those things were giving me that mm -hmm. was potentially lacking mm -hmm. um and and also yeah what it was taking away mm -hmm. from 
my pleasure and the ability to connect with my partner. Um, mm. So, and, and so like a big part of that was stopping watching porn, but then also not thinking about it. Right. Especially because I was just like in the habit. Yeah. It's, it just yeah. becomes part of your like yeah. neural pathways. Totally. Yeah. When yeah. you're, yeah. When you're with yourself or with your partner. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely, so- it's a journey to yeah. rewire that oh for God, sure. Totally. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's not like I'm completely cleansed. Like it still mm-hmm. pops up, but it's like, nope, we're not thinking about that. And like, not in a purity way at all, but just totally. like, no, this is a sacred space for mm-hmm. me or me and my partner. And I don't want any outside influence mm-hmm. into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you also kind of learned a lot more about the like social political context in yeah. which porn is occurring right yeah, yeah 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 and I so it was like yeah so I'm I'm doing this work on myself and start like pretty quickly feeling so good and mm. so much more connected and the mm. ability to be so much more present mm. um and then with my partner who I've been with for almost four years now I was mm-hmm. like okay I know that he's still engaging in that mm-hmm. not often yeah um only when he's like not feeling good does he even watch that but um but I was like he I I need him to be on board with this too and there was quite a bit of conflict around that just because he yeah he didn't want to be so black and white about it Mm -hmm. um and let let me watch the feminist yeah totally oh it's just too simple like uh, uh-huh. so so we were having a lot of discussions and mm-hmm. it was often very heated because mm-hmm. I felt so passionate about it just based on like mm-hmm. how I felt how for the first time ever I'm like connecting with my cervix and my mm-hmm. womb and it's like it was just a fuck no yeah and yeah as soon as the, oh, the like kind of gosh. unconscious yeah addiction to it became conscious yeah it, it all just shattered totally mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so I, yeah, I really wanted to educate myself on the kind of dark side of the porn industry, how interconnected it is with sex traffic in the industry, um, so that I could get him on board and just come from like Mm -hmm. a knowledgeable place when we are having these discussions. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, yeah, listening to podcasts, Mm -hmm. like fight the new drug is a really fascinating one. Mm -hmm. Um, hearing some pretty horrific stories and that got him on board. Mm-hmm. because and, I mean and I was at a place where I was like I, we're so committed to each other but I was like if you ever want to watch porn again I we have to mm-hmm. break up um mm-hmm. that's how intense I felt about it yeah and I felt really it was scary but I also felt really empowered I was just like this is this is where I'm at <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and and then yeah we kind of went down that journey together of learning more and now he's working on cleansing his psyche of it um, and feels really empowered by his experience of doing that too because yeah. like that was something like porn had a hold on him totally I mean it, yeah. it does on <laughs> on men and women you totally know? and I think I, I mean so I I watched porn for I let's see maybe about three years mm-hmm. you know in my teenage years and then in my first year university year of university mm-hmm. stopped completely you know became around feminist all the things and so mm-hmm. you know at this point I've had so many conversations you know with, with many many women and also many men and I mean it I don't think I've had a single conversation with a man where 
there isn't, um, yeah, some degree of acknowledgement about mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the addiction and, and the way that it has, it's interfering with their sexuality and their ability to connect and their ability to be with women. Um, and it is, um, yeah, it's just devaluing of, of everybody involved, oh, those, th- those who are, who are being filmed mm-hmm. and those who are watching yeah. and, yeah. Um, and the partners mm-hmm. like for me too I was like I don't look like any of these women mm-hmm. like I have hair and like mm-hmm. I'm yeah it and mm-hmm. that was a big part of it too yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um were there any other like conflicts sexual frustration things that came up for you mm-hmm. yeah I went into um the first time I learned about sex mm-hmm. um I was, you know, on a balance beam in grade four and mm-hmm. another girl was making noises that I guess were sex noises. And mm-hmm. one of my friends was like, you're making sex noises. And then we asked her what was sex and she told us. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that really clearly. And I kind of did the same thing. <laughs> what was like, your, what was your feeling? And I was moment? just like, oh, I, <laughs> I didn't want to know it. It was, uh-huh. yeah, again, like just so uh-huh. shocking to the system. Yeah. Um, and it was just very much like, I just want to stay a kid if Mm -hmm. I were to explain it now Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so I did that kind of EMDR thing again and Mm -hmm. took myself aside and Mm -hmm. hugged myself and was like you don't have to worry about this yeah for so long yeah I always find it interesting how like similar themes sort of play out in a pattern right it's like Mm -hmm. you walked in and your parents as a kid didn't want to know about it and then it comes up in a conversation with Mm -hmm. your friends they didn't want to know about and then you end up watching it with Mm-hmm. a partner and mm-hmm. then it was like whoa didn't want to know about that yeah. Yeah. you know like there's it it's um these things repeat mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah another one was um like some kids in my high school called me 40 year old virgin because mm-hmm. I was such a late bloomer yeah and that was yeah it was like really hurtful and I wondered if it was actually going to be true Mm. luckily it wasn't <laughs> right right like this yeah mm-hmm. the possible like am I ever actually going mm-hmm. to have a relationship mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like am I ever gonna get to have sex yeah yeah uh-huh. I'm like 16 uh-huh. it's like come on you have so much time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. totally how did you feel after unearthing all of that oh my god so good mm-hmm. it's like such a cliche that like all of the it's like everything that happens to you is a gift uh-huh. but I truly feel so empowered to know all of this mm-hmm. and to be able to like have it be a guiding force mm-hmm. as I go forward and mm-hmm. yeah it just really breaks down so much of what we're told mm-hmm. and I'm just looking so forward to like pregnancy mm-hmm. and having kids and like instilling this knowing in my own children and mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and you you got a new colposcopy since then. Oh, yeah, three weeks ago. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the coolest part. Was like three weeks ago, I went up for my colposcopy, um, and was prepared. Like, mm-hmm. I really like. Um, I think it was Doctor Melissa Sell said, like, if even if you do get these tests, just be prepared for there be like know that if there is a diagnosis mm-hmm. quote unquote mm-hmm. that you are empowered and you know how to yeah. deal with it yeah. so I was like feeling super good about that um and was ready for everything 
and the doctor the male gyno was like uh, poking around quite a lot he had mm -hmm. to turn on the two times magnification um on the camera um and he couldn't find anything mm -hmm. and he was like all right you're all clear Alexandra mm -hmm. good job he didn't even ask me well they don't want to know do they no no <laughs> doesn't fit into their worldview no no because uh -huh. I didn't even get a biopsy mm -hmm. he I told my first colposcopy I told him under any circumstances I don't want a biopsy mm -hmm. um and I wouldn't even sign their paper before going in mm -hmm. I was like if it's if I don't have to get a colposcopy like I but I will not sign the paper the one thing that it said on the paper was I consent to any treatment that the doctor deems right. necessary. I'm like, I'm not signing this. Uh -huh. um, and so that first colposcopy, I told him no biopsies and to mm -hmm. show me everything before it goes inside mm -hmm. of me. Um, and he he tried to convince me to have a biopsy while he was inside of me. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. It was like, wow. whoa, here's this. And we should definitely get a biopsy. And I was like, no I said no biopsies and then I could tell he was a little bit pissed at me yeah well good for you yeah yeah and that's a big thing too it's mm -hmm. like when we're in those situations it's like there is the male gyno mm -hmm. two female nurses mm -hmm. but and you feel small but okay. you still like you can still mm -hmm. say whatever you want do whatever you want back out last minute like yeah I think yeah. that's so important to know and I feel so grateful that I felt empowered mm -hmm. during that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah because it's scary being in there totally yeah I mean with a potential cancer diagnosis sort of looming over you totally um yeah. so now you're clear mm -hmm. and free of trauma and having better sex I'm guessing so <laughs> yes uh -huh. yeah uh -huh. yeah yeah it's really amazing mm -hmm. um I think, and I, I am still like the last eight months, the way I was relating to my body mm -hmm. was like really intense, like healing, like mm -hmm. unearthing, unmasking. Yeah. I was doing like homeopathic remedies at the same time um, from like a homeopathic doctor. And mm -hmm. so it, it's been a lot. So I'm just trying to like switch how I'm relating to my body to like being that I can just like surrender and have pleasure and mm -hmm. that it doesn't have to be so intense and healing like mm -hmm. that can be light and fun as well so mm -hmm. I am on that journey you sign up for um, well-fucked I signed up for well-fucked <laughs> women I'm so excited for you and so like I signed up for the free week uh -huh. and I didn't even know that she was like doing the next uh -huh. salon uh -huh. and the timing of it all is just mm. so impeccable like of yeah. this whole experience like yeah. meeting you you telling me about mm -hmm. womb room like finding out about germany medicine yeah. everything has felt so kismet yeah um and just in the first week i was like do i even need to do well fucked women like <laughs> the free week is yeah. so good yeah um mm -hmm. just yeah the way the, uh, her, just her little tips like yeah. it's so helpful yeah. and it's been so fun and so good for me to help me reconnect with my body in that way yeah easy yeah. to easy to drop porn when you have <laughs> this alternative Holy <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like your reward uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh that's so sweet I love mm -hmm. it and um 
what has it been? I mean, I, I don't know how deep you really have gone into GNM, but mm-hmm. how has that shifted your relationship to health? I mean, just mm-hmm. even learning like the fact that, you know, this isn't cancer, like mm-hmm. isn't necessarily this huge, scary thing mm-hmm. that it's a biological biological adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What is your experience being with that? It's, yeah, like my health wise, I feel like it's changed the thought that I have around like, well, if I work really hard, I can buy all these things to make myself healthy. Mm, It's like, that is not it. It's like slowing down, being stress-free. Yeah. Having a lot of space to make sweet love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My body go for Uh swims. Like, yeah Yeah, to not have like just realizing how much lifestyle Mm -hmm. plays into health and that I can't buy myself to health Mm. is a big one Mm. I am still taking my fat soluble vitamins because we're covering vegan (laughs) as I know it's okay we're not going to kick you out of the (laughs) VNM club but yeah just really being so aware and it really opens up your world to, um, let me just collect myself for a sec. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost like a fun way of looking is, yeah, you can be a detective mm-hmm. of like what could show up, what experiences that I have that were uncomfortable and mm-hmm. can I dive into that? Mm-hmm. It's really empowering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, I love this story. It was so fun to connect last week at the garden. So, so much has happened since we had dinner in November. Okay, um, the timing of it all. Yeah. Like so cool to me. It's great. It's worth mm-hmm. it. Most I feel like most of the time when I'm telling people my crazy, you know, beliefs, it doesn't really go anywhere. But occasionally, occasionally <laughs> it lands in the right way. That's great. Yeah, it definitely landed. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, all of the links to some of my favorite of Kim and Ami's podcasts and to her Well Fucked Woman course will be in the show notes. Um, everybody who signs up for this round of Well Fucked Women, I'm also offering a free class called Biological Union, which is all about German new medicine and sex and yeah, just how um, learning about the biological differences between men and women has really um, <laughs> stopped me from sabotaging um, my relationship. And yeah, it's been such a gift. So I am really excited to do that and to answer any um, any GNM sexuality questions as well. And yeah. Alex can be found on Instagram at Alex Rooted and me at Freya Kellett. And um, yeah, please, you know, share this podcast with um, anybody you know who might be interested um, in hearing this different perspective. It's been so cool to receive all of your messages about the aha moments. Um, yeah, and just the way that things are clicking as you're hearing these different stories. So yeah, more coming soon.